technology is playing in, in, in such an important role for the past 10, 12 years. Not having mentors for women to develop can be really bad for the entire industry. We end up not having mixed teams with different backgrounds, different points of view. We want women to be capable to feel with the skills they need, with the network they need, with the, with the know-how they need to get where they want to go. Technology has revolutionized how we get our news. Data visualization and multimedia are increasingly used to tell stories, and coding is no longer just for computer scientists. But when it comes to working with digital technology, in most newsrooms, men outnumber women. Why are men still dominating this field? And what does it take for women to get ahead? If you don't have women in positions of intelligence and authority and key decision-making roles, People don't grow up believing that that's something they can do. Like, it's just not on their radar. It's not because they're consciously doubting themselves. It's just because it's what they see. Welcome to The Backstory, a podcast from Wanifra, the World Association of News Publishers. I'm Andy Heslop, Wanifra's Press Freedom Executive Director. This season, we're working with Wanifra's Women in News program, a groundbreaking effort to promote gender equality throughout the news industry. In this six-episode series, we're bringing you stories about women in the media from around the world, the opportunities and the challenges they face, and the stories and the voices behind them. In this episode, four women from the Middle East, Africa, Latin America, and North America talk about how they beat the odds to work with technology, and why it's so important for women to seek positions traditionally held by men. We want women to be empowered. Not everybody wants to go to the top. But we want to empower them to be leaders in their own communities, to help open this space for other voices to be heard and not just always the same agenda. Mariana Santos is the founder of Chicas Poderosas, an organization that trains women in digital media and leadership skills across Latin America. The backstories Mariana Sanz spoke to her about the need for training, and they started by talking about the inspiration for the organization. There was a huge lack of women representation in media. So my plan was, I'm going to create this mentorship program so we can have a more balanced media leadership in in media organizations around Latin America. You focus very much on training women also on innovation. Why this particular topic? So back in 2013, the digital transformation was starting to happen. So my main objective and goal was to organize meetings, meetups of 50, 60, sometimes 100 women to talk about certain types of technology that we could be using to elevate our journalism. How can we do data visualization? How can we get big sets of data, understand data, cleaning databases, merging databases, and transform databases into visualizations that uh, readers could understand what the trends were? Most recently, we are looking into how to debunk fake news, what's the technology around, what's the processes, and then how can we work together collaboratively to create more multimedia projects. So basically, it's using technology to enhance your journalism capabilities. I imagine after seven years of work and of many workshops in many different countries, you have had many 
types of results. But uh, if you summarize a little bit the results, what would you explain? So we have run the first accelerator for women-led independent journalism projects or organizations in Latin America. Back in 2017, we called it the New Ventures Lab. This was a project that would call in organizations that were led by women that were in their initial phase, and we would give them kind of an MBA for journalists, where we would teach them how to talk finances, talk about building teams. I can uh, mention a few, for instance, Asmina from Brazil. They are a feminist magazine, and they use great graphics, great narratives. They have their, their editorial curation with a gender perspective. They are really powerful. We work together for 20 weeks and they are growing. And then just more recently, we had one project called Fiquem Sabendo. That's the first freedom of information access in Brazil. This project is led by a girl. She's 22 years old. Her name is Maria Vitoria, and she's leading this FOIA Brazil which now is in great dangers because of COVID. They closed access to public information and she's fighting for, their, for Brazilians' rights in that sense. But she was asked by the government to be part of the committee who is deciding on how shall we address the access of personal data. Have you seen a shift in more women leading media organizations or more women being involved in technology, innovation, working with data, etc.? What we can see in Latin America, it's a huge number of independent media outlets or media projects led by women. There are so many new initiatives. And then what I see is the lack of funding to support women-led projects, which is still a very big world problem. Only 2% of funding goes to women-led organizations around the world. And this is talking about startups and fintech. When we talk about journalism, the numbers go even lower. There's a bias towards that men are more capable, men are more successful. Uh, still, the concept of leadership is very much associated with a male leadership style. So I think to shift the mindset, it will take several generations. What type of effects or outcomes have you seen in these women at a personal level? So at the personal level, these women become very transformed, let's say. We are collecting lots of uh, personal stories and it can go from a woman that at the age of 50, she was a designer of magazines in New York for 25 years, all of a sudden uh, she got herself out of a job and she started coming to Chicas, she started getting new skills on. Nowadays, she's part of the educational department of Brazil, defining the materials for professors for media literacy. So there was a huge shift in her personal and professional life, as in the community in which she, she, she lives. The personal path of these women that uh, go through Chicas Poderosas shifts a lot. Positive role models and focused training in technology and data journalism can be key to getting ahead. Data and new media can even be an advantage for women. The thing which I've found especially is that there are more women who are interested 
Because seriously, if you look at it, let's say if you're assigned to do two stories per week by your editor and you have the data there, most of the time you can actually do deliver on your two stories plus more. Catherine Gichero is the Senior Program Manager at the Kenya branch of Code for Africa, the continent's largest data journalism initiative. They've created WANADATA, a pan-African network of women journalists and tech experts to change the media landscape. WANADATA aims to produce and promote data-driven news using digital technology. The group has been described as the Trojan horse to get more women into the data teams of Africa's newsrooms. Gichero told Backstory producer Colette Davidson that more women are benefiting from media technology especially working mothers, who often find that using data or infographics can make their work go faster. Out of the one data we have, most of them are young women and some of them have just had babies. And the fact that they were able to work from home, flexi-type, and then be able to deliver very in-depth, very well-nuanced kind of stories on their beat, even while they were away at home, or even now when they're at home. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. So how are the journalists then using some of the skills um, in data journalism? What does that mean in a day-to-day sense? I think the whole idea of getting evidence backed by data to support your reporting or getting insights from analyzing data So a lot of the times you find journalists are not waiting to be assigned, especially the one on data. They tend to go out and when they get data or even if they're doing their day-to-day assignment, is essentially using data to gain some insights as to what they're reporting. Then the other thing is also because you can visualize and visualizations So you are finding a lot more experimentation in terms of how to present information or news so that it lends itself to the different platforms. Why do you think that there aren't very many women uh, in data journalism? I think it's not only women, but I think a lot of journalists haven't taken up data journalism. I mean, data for many is not something which comes naturally. In my country, the schools of journalism do not train journalists on how to use data. So it's a new field for many of them. The women tend not to get those opportunities to train in some of these new skills, uh, because obviously if you've got a newsroom that's got little money or financial constraints, in most instances, they will not want to give the women those opportunities because they do not value them as much as they value the men. Newsrooms are not very comfortable places for women. You have to have a very thick skin to be able to withstand some of the stuff that happens in newsrooms. And the other thing is you also have to be very strong and confident to want to push and demand to be given the respect that you deserve because you have to do extra work, work harder, work smarter, just to be seen. When you first started in in this path, um, did you always have um, a talent or an interest in tech? Nope. I am actually a print, old school print journalist. The thing is, 
what we call tech for me is like a new way of telling the story. So I may not understand the mechanics of it or the science of it, but I know what I want. I've never done any tech. I cannot code to save my life. Sorry. <laughs> so you have other people doing that for you? Yeah. Actually, I tried, I've been trying to learn how to code on my own. I want to be able to tell somebody, okay, look, I want us to do this. I'm thinking about this. They seem to understand my madnesses when I say, okay, this is what I'm thinking about. Is it possible we can do it? And here's the data. Do you think it will make sense? And then they're like, uh, give us a bit of time. We figure it out for you. So in a way, I'm trying to teach myself so that at least I can get the basic knowledge are there any other ways in which data journalism can help women in a way that men maybe don't benefit as much? I think there's an element where the, the women tend to be more empathetic when it comes to writing stories using data. They tend to nuance and humanize this abominable number sometimes. And they're then therefore able to connect with their audiences at a very, very personal level. I don't need to understand the mechanics of how 10% tax is calculated by the electricity distribution, the power distribution company, but I just want to know what the hell does that mean to me? How does that translate to my life? Why should I care? And I think a lot more women tend to do that kind of reporting where they bring human beings themselves because at the end of the day, seriously, we're the ones who are making those decisions than the guys. So it's not only using data journalism and using those new technical skills, but it's also in the way that women can potentially interpret business news, financial news, that kind of thing. Exactly. We talked about the opportunities for women, but what about some challenges that they may face? We're so many from the baseline up to some mid-level, and then after that you don't see us. So my question is, why are they not able to stay? What is the problem about retention? So in terms of women, there are opportunities for them, and they do get into these spaces, but they don't seem to rise up to the level where you have a critical mass of them whom you can point to and say, those are our role models. They are few and scattered. While individuals need to seize available opportunities and find mentors and role models, managers and those in positions of power also need to ensure a level playing field. Women must be given the chance to learn and improve because it's a, it's a vicious circle. If you have no experience, you will not be selected. If you are not selected, you will have no experience uh, and so on. Chaima Mehdi is the head of the innovation lab at Inkifada, an independent web magazine based in Tunis that focuses on investigation and data visualization. For a few years now, I have managed a team of uh, developers uh, composed exclusively of men. That doesn't mean that there are no women in the lab, but women are uh, not developers. They are like designers and graphics. Uh, until the day I decided to recruit a girl. So I, um, I only look to girls' CVs. If I did as I usually do, which is comparing CV skills and experience without looking at the profile, I would certainly be uh, obliged to choose a man. 
Uh, after that, honestly, the profile was not very satisfactory, but she's improving, and I believe that if we don't do that, there will never be as many girls as boys in this kind of field. Mehdi began her career in engineering, a field also dominated by men in Tunisia. I remember when I was in university, the first years, uh, there were like about three or four girls in class of about 20 students. I remember the first day I went to register with my father and his reaction when he saw the number of guys. He said, um, where are the girls? After three years, we have like a national competition to go to engineering school. And then the numbers of uh, boys and girls are reversed because the girls succeed much more than men. The pressure of society forces them to succeed. They have no choice while men seek to work as quickly as possible to marry and build a family. Mehdi got a PhD and eventually combined her tech skills with an interest in journalism. Today, at Inkifada, more than half of the employees are women. But, as she told Colette Davidson, there's still a gender disparity in Tunisia when it comes to technical fields. Men tend to make professional decisions with personal consideration, so they will help each other and reward each other. On the job market, there are more men than women because patriarchal society has inscribed in the subconscious of women that the mental loads of a home, cleaning and children are their responsibility. And so she has to sacrifice her professional career to manage her house. But comes the economic crisis, which turns everything upside down because a single salary is no longer enough and the woman has to work. So this explains why there are more and more women in these fields. Um, In Tunisia, after the revolution, there is another reason with the phenomenon of brain drain. The senior men prefer to go out the the country and those who, who stay here are juniors. Therefore, employers who usually prefer to recruit men on uh, the pretext that they take less leave and uh, more available than women, now prefer to recruit women who are more stable as profiles. So the statistics are changing, but it's not because the collective conscience of society has questions itself, but it's because other factors have come into play. And now what if we look across the MENA region? I know that it's uh, generally dominated by male also. It's clear that in all the region recruiting is much more complicated. Women in the region are more interested in fields like uh, human science rather than scientific fields, even if there is a reverse tendency. And why do you think that is? Do you think that parents are not pushing their daughters into these fields enough or is it just they're modeling what they already see and no one's really pushing the boundaries? Parents push their girls to choose like short study cycles. For them, jobs like teachers or medical uh, are uh, more uh, adaptable to her responsibility after marriage. We in Kifada, we are 30 women out of 25 members, a little more than the half. But it's very difficult to find um, women we do not have predefined quota for hiring people in, in Kifava, but at the, as a structure that gives paramount importance to uh, gender equality, it's uh, certain that uh, we prevent any form of uh, discrimination based on sex. So 
uh, we try to recruit uh, much more women in these fields. When I started off as a journalist, which was in the mid-90s, I was the only woman journalist in the Reuters Bureau. The only other woman in the office was the receptionist. And I was 21 years old. The next oldest person was at least 10 years older than me. Sonali Verma is the Senior Product Manager of Analytics, the Globe and Mail in Toronto, Canada's most prominent newspaper and a leader in using tech to report the news. She has over 20 years of business experience in digital media and has worked around the world. But when she began, as she told Mariana Sanz, it was rare to find women working in the more technical fields of business and finance news. It was very, very, very male-dominated and also more experienced people, not a lot of young people. It might just be a cultural difference. In Manila, there were two other women and the rest of the team was male. In London, it was much more gender balanced. There were a lot more women in the office um, working in business news, whether it's corporate news or whether it's bonds or stocks. There were a lot more women then. But certainly in Asia, it was very male-dominated. And this underrepresentation of women, what kind of effects did it have on you? Oh, my God. I was so intimidated. I would go in, I'd put my head down, I'd do my work. I thought, okay, maybe if I work long hours and I just keep doing my work and I don't say anything to anyone, maybe that will help me prove that I'm really good at what I do. So that's what I did. Um, what I realized along the way is sometimes you have to speak up. Sometimes you have to say, hey, I did a great job. You have to take credit for things and... You, you shouldn't be so afraid. Like, it's easy for me to say now, like 20 years later, it's easy for me to look back and say, oh, yeah, I should have been braver. I should have done this and I should have done that. But at the time, I was just like, I'm going to be a good team player and I'm going to do whatever I can to support everyone else and do my job well. We also talk uh, frequently about the imposter syndrome, no? You're absolutely right. Imposter syndrome is so widespread and I see it in all these bright, accomplished women who I work with also. Like, we doubt ourselves so much. We doubt ourselves so much. And I don't know if men do it as much. It's really hard to stop doubting yourself because you're always asking yourself, am I good enough? So the advice I would give is, one, believe in yourself. Believe that you have the ability to do stuff and believe that you have the ability to learn the stuff you can't do. The second thing I'd say is, I've been really lucky that throughout my life, no matter where I've worked, the people I've worked with have been very open-minded and very willing to give me opportunities. You know, I could have theoretically come up against people who say, well, she's so young, or, well, why would we get a woman to do that? Or even, well, you know, she's Indian, she's Asian. Why would I give her? Have you had also any mentors? Oh, yes. So when I worked in Delhi, one of the senior colleagues in the office was always very kind to me. Now, he wasn't officially my mentor, but he gave me a lot of opportunities. And over here at the Globe and Mail, we have an official mentoring program. So at the moment, my mentor is a senior person in the advertising department. So skills that I do not have and a background that is very different from mine. And I learn a lot from her. The world is full of good people. And if you're lucky enough to meet them, you should Definitely learn whatever you can from them. How can we try to encourage young women to start working on data and losing a bit their fear? 
I think part of it is not doubting yourself. What have you got to lose? A year and a half ago, our digital and data science group that built this analytics product, Sophie, they approached me and they said, do you want to work with us, with the team of developers, to help them make Sophie even better? It would mean you're moving out of the newsroom, you're not a journalist anymore. And I was so nervous. I was so nervous. Like, I know nothing about tech. I'm the person who, you know, tries to use the computer for five minutes and then I can't. And then I ask my teenager and he comes and he says, mom, you haven't plugged it in. You know, I know nothing about technology. But I did it because I thought career-wise it would be good for me to develop new skills, um, especially with the state of the media industry being what it is now. It meant a lot of learning. And it's really easy to second guess yourself and say, ah, I'm never going to be able to learn this or I'm not smart enough to do this. But you shouldn't. You should be willing to take that risk. You really have to believe in yourself. When women have the confidence to learn new skills, they open up possibilities for others. Mariana Santos of Chicas Poderosas says having clear goals is an important first step. Where do you want to go? I think it's very important for us to, to have a place where we want to head. If we don't know where we want to go, any path will take us there. So really nail down what you are good at, where do you want to dedicate your time, and then you can find development areas that will make you stronger in order to get to that point. The goal that we have is to keep changing the situation and improving and having more voices represented. Because we believe that when more voices are heard, we will live in a more fair society. When women take on the world of tech and become leaders in the field, it opens new doors. Not just for women, but for readers, media organizations and society as a whole. For more resources and training aimed at promoting the skills and confidence of women in the media, visit the Women in News website. That's womeninnews.org. For all of our episodes, and to make sure you don't miss a new one, subscribe to The Backstory or on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.